you don't have to be called in to come to our church, but uh, many of us are called in. And as Ian said, my, my name's Ian. I'm the minister of the church in Rotherham that's organised this carol service. And it's my great privilege just to share some thoughts with you, maybe to think about tonight and when you're eating your Christmas turkey uh, over the holiday. I think many people in our modern culture would identify themselves, if they were filling in a survey perhaps, they might identify themselves as being spiritual but not religious. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase. I think many people in our culture think about spirituality an awful lot but wouldn't really want to identify with religion. Um, I think many people would think that Christianity has some nice ideas that work for some people but maybe it's not for me. Christianity is in some ways like a kindly granddad who is very nice. We like going to his house but he's not that engaged these days with a modern world. I think Christmas for many people can have that feel to it as well. What I'd like to do just for a few minutes is ask um, a question and the, hopefully the slides will come up behind me. My, my question is very simple. This. What is Christmas really all about? And if you're the kind of person who's maybe curious, um, maybe you think about uh, spiritual things sometimes. I hope today that the thoughts that we share together might help you to prick up your ears a little and maybe think a little bit about Christianity. Let me start with a sub-question, and this is not a rhetorical question. When you boil things right down, what would you say is the most central, important, crucial, fundamental claim that the Bible makes, or that Christianity makes? That's not a rhetorical question, so I'm hoping for some audience participation, so you can't all nod off and go to sleep. What do you think is the most important claim that Christianity makes? Don't be shy. You're all going to be shy. The most important claim that Christianity makes. Christianity makes all kinds of claims. I've killed you, haven't I? I've killed it. Stone dead. This is a tough audience tonight. Someone's... Jesus is God. Good one. That's a start. I'm going to have to give you some suggestions. Shall I give you some suggestions and we'll have a little vote? Here's some suggestions. Christianity makes one very amazing claim, and that is that Jesus, its founder, rose from the dead. We're all aware that there are many religions in the world. But I can't think of another one where the founder of that religion, it is claimed, rose from the dead. That, that is a staggering claim when you think about it. Most of the religion in the world, you can go to the tomb of the founder, but there's no gravestone that says on it, R.I.P. Jesus. There is no tomb. That's an amazing claim. When you read the Gospels, there's a lot of claims about miracles that Jesus did. Many of them laced with compassion for people who were vulnerable and needy in a, in a broken world. Often people think about the miracles of Jesus. They, they, they weren't kind of show-off magic tricks 
Often they had behind them a heart filled with compassion for people who were very needy. I want to suggest to you, there's two suggestions, we won't have a vote. The most important claim of Christianity though is not either of those two. The most important claim in Christianity, I think, is the fact that the Gospels claim that Jesus is God who became human. That claim is a staggering claim and the other claims of Christianity don't really make sense without that first claim, in a way. The Creator becomes a creature. This is what theologians call the incarnation. Many of our Christmas carols talk about God incarnate. And it's really the idea that Christ didn't begin when he was born in Bethlehem like we all do when we're born, but that he existed before that and entered the human race. God became human. That is a staggering claim. Jesus is not just some charismatic public teacher who kind of got lucky and then was misunderstood and people killed him because he provoked them. No, all the claims of Christianity depend on this prior one. The reason Jesus did miracles, the reason Jesus could rise from the dead, is that he is God with a human skin on. The reason I begin there is because I think that there are a number of very popular cultural assumptions that people have about Christianity. And what I'd like to do just for a few minutes is talk about three cultural assumptions about Christianity and explore with you how the fact that God became man speaks into those assumptions. So here's assumption number one. Excuse the picture. Um, This is with thanks to Will Ferrell. Um, butterflies and kind of uh, assumption number one is that Christianity is really subjective thoughtless mush what I mean by that is that and many people have this idea that religion is a kind of intellectual suicide it is it is unscientific mumbo jumbo It is all really based on guesswork and mysticism. Religion, in the end, is a man-made thing, an invention of people in the past who didn't really know any better, and it's really something that we ought to grow out of, and we don't really need it anymore. I don't know if you've done some Christmas shopping this year, but um, there's a shop in Meadow Hall called The Body Shop. The founder of The Body Shop, Anita Roddick, died a few years ago, and she said, towards the end of her life, she said this, I've fallen for the prevalent idea that anybody who has a religious inclination has no sense of rationale or intellectual understanding and therefore should be dismissed. That is a staggering thing for her to confess to, isn't it, towards the end of her life. She's really saying that anyone who has faith is a bit stupid. I hope if someone was being interviewed for a job at the body shop, they didn't say, I've got some religious faith. I don't think she meant that when she said being dismissed. The the truth is, though, if God became human, then we're not left guessing, are we? 
The fact that God has become human means that the God of the Bible is a God of self-disclosure. Here is a God who is not silent or absent. He isn't some kind of mist floating around somewhere in the solar system. He's not the same as nature. He's not a life force. He's not an energy principle. Neither can this God be whatever we want him to be. If God became human, then that means he's a God who speaks and who wants us to know what he's really like. He has come to tell us who he is and what he's like. I don't think that makes any of this simplistic, but it does mean that Christianity has some content to it. It is intellectually credible and coherent rather than vacuous or subjective mush. It means that Christianity is far more than people's wishful thinking. It is far more than people projecting what they would like God to be like into the sky. If God became human, then he is involved in human history in the most profound way. And we're not fumbling around in the dark trying to guess who he is or just inventing the God that we want him to be. There's a statement in the Gospel of John. It'll appear on the screen, but I think my slides are a bit rubbish and the, the, the writing's too small. But I, what it says on the screen is, John said this, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is at the Father's side, has made him known. God becoming human, therefore, points to God's self-disclosure. Here's another assumption. Assumption number two is that Christianity is smug. With apologies to Simon Cowell, um, I'm not really trying to say anything about Simon Cowell, but he just looked a bit smug on this picture. Do you ever watch that quiz show, The Chase? Is it called The Chase or The Chaser? The Chase. They, they do a good line in smug faces, those guys, when they humiliate the opponent. But I couldn't find one online, so I picked Simon Cowell. Anyway, sometimes he does look a bit smug. He's, he's a bit sneering there. Christianity is narrow, bigoted, arrogant, a bit smug. People who are religious tend to be a little bit self-righteous. Do you think that? I think there's no getting away from the fact that religious people can be smug. And what I want to do is just try and understand why. I, I think many of us have a sense, a deep sense, that if there is a God, he probably doesn't like us very much. And I think that sense of unworthiness that we sometimes feel actually says a lot about humanity. And it affects both religious people and people who are not religious too. If we happen to be religious, we immediately sense that we need to do things in order to make God like us. What that means is that in almost all religions... God is portrayed as saying something like, if you do this, then I will love you and accept you. 
apart from sounding slightly sinister, that idea has only two logical conclusions. If you're the kind of person who feels quite confident, do you know what? I think I can do the things that I ought to do for God to be pleased with me, and then, therefore, he will love me. And I think you'll be not very far away from beginning to look down on other people who don't perhaps quite have that same sense. If you're the kind of person who has very little confidence or perhaps feel that you've failed to live up to that, then rather than being smug, you'll feel depressed and a little bit outside and a little bit excluded. There's a lot to say on this too, but for now, let's stick to this. If God has become human, that turns the whole idea of religion on its head completely. Because what it means is that the story of the Bible is not about us climbing up a religious ladder to reach God and make him like us. The story of the Bible is about God coming down the ladder to reach out to us. And it actually cost Jesus his life as he died to become our substitute and saviour and rescuer. In the Gospel records, I think Emma read to us earlier, in the Gospel records, in Matthew's Gospel, God speaks to Joseph and says, Mary will bear you a son and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus actually means saviour in the Hebrew. So often you'll hear Christian people talk about being saved. The reason for that is that they've understood something important that they have not lived up to God's good and true standards and are therefore guilty and they need someone to do something for them that they could never do for themselves. Jesus saves them from sin and judgment and ultimately death and hell. This is one of the reasons that Christianity is called good news. It is not another burden but rather the great solution to our deepest needs. But it also means, this is the point, it also means that a true Christian has to be the least smug person in the world. Because they're accepting the premise that they cannot save themselves and that they're therefore not superior to anyone else in any way. A true Christian isn't trying to impress God with the good that they do. A true Christian is impressed by what God has done for them. A true Christian doesn't come to God with their hands full of all their religious good deeds. A true Christian comes to God empty-handed as a child comes to a father to receive what the father can give to them. Religion may lead to self-righteous smugness, but Christianity at its core cannot lead there because it teaches that God has come to us and not the other way around. There's another verse in the Bible that again is way too small to read. 
another part of the Bible it says this it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast so that no one can be smug so that no one can be superior so that no one can be arrogant it is by grace God's undeserved kindness to us one last assumption Number three, I think people sometimes have the idea that Christianity is a form of slavery. What I mean by that is the idea that Christianity is narrow and limiting. It will stifle your creativity and ultimately limit your potential and kill your happiness. The path to true fulfilment, our culture says, is to fully express yourself as an individual. This idea is so deeply entrenched in our Western individualistic culture, it is like the air we breathe. Could it be true? Could it be true that coming to terms with the fact that actually we're not the centre of things is actually the path to true freedom. We certainly seem as human beings, don't we, to be wired to look outside of ourselves for satisfaction and freedom. I've often said to the folks in the church here, no one ever goes to the Grand Canyon and thinks, aren't I amazing? People go to the Grand Canyon to stand on the edge and look out and go, wow, isn't that incredible? It seems like the deep yearning of our human hearts is to look out of ourselves, not to look into ourselves. How does God becoming human then speak into this assumption that Christianity is somehow limiting I want you to think about this idea that God became human in the person of Jesus so that he could be the ultimate good king. I wish you had more time to tease this out. Let, let, me, let, me, um, let me try an illustration. I used this illustration recently in our church when we think about something else, so some of you will have heard this. But let me try an illustration and hopefully this won't bomb and you'll get what I mean um, let, let's imagine a harmonious symphony we had a great choir tonight let's imagine a harmonious symphony all the different instruments violins, tubas what instruments do they have in an orchestra I'm so not a musician um, tubas, did I say tubas flutes, clarinets Percussion, you've got the orchestra there, you've got it in your mind. And there's a conductor at the front. He has a little stick and he waves the stick at the front and somehow what comes out of all these different instruments is the most glorious, harmonious music. Would you say that the conductor is a control freak? Would it occur to you to suggest that the instruments willing submission to the conductor 
is somehow stifling their creativity. Imagine the violin said, you know what, we're sick of this control freak at the front, waving his stick at us. We want to play our own tune. And the violins go off into the corner and they start to play what they feel like. And then the tubers say, we don't want to be told what to do. We're going to go and play our tuba. Umpa, umpa, umpa. And they, they play their own tune. Before you know it, the whole orchestra that was harmonious before is discordant. It's chaos. The great narrative of history, according to the Bible, is that Jesus has come to put the orchestra back together. He is the great conductor. And he calls people to live under his care, under his guidance and skill, not because he wants to control us or squash us or limit us, but because he loves us and is aiming at us living in restored harmony our issue is that we want to play our own tune and the music we create as a race is discordant and chaotic the great cry of Jesus in the gospels if you read the gospels the great cry of Jesus in the gospels is come and follow me Self-centeredness always diminishes and dehumanizes us. But following Christ as a king is the path of true freedom. Here's one final verse. That's again way too small. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That doesn't sound like slavery to me. That sounds amazing. I, I love my job as a minister because what I'm essentially doing is inviting people to come. Not to me or to something else, but to come to Christ and to trust him as the God who became human the great revealer, the great reconciler, and the ultimate good king. So what is Christmas really all about? It's a good question, isn't it? Christmas speaks of God becoming human. If this is true, then Christianity is not much, it's not smug, and it's not slavery. Maybe you've come here tonight, I know some of you, not all of you, maybe you've rejected Christianity because you thought that this is what it was. And if you've rejected Christianity for that reason, that's good. It seems obvious that as human beings we yearn for so much more than these things. 
But Christianity is not these things. God has revealed himself to us. He has rescued us. And he has come to call us to follow him. I'm not sure what you hope to get this Christmas. But I hope that maybe this Christmas could be the time when you receive in your heart God's greatest gift of all. The gift of his son, the Lord Jesus.